Good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Whether you're in the room or whether you're worshiping with us online, we welcome you. Would you stand as we begin to worship the Lord today? I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest of the Lord today. Praise. Let's show the Lord. We want to bless his name today. Amen. Hallelujah. And as I look around and see all these people in the church today, I just know this makes God happy. 
I know it just makes his heart sing. And, amen. Keep on clapping, Peggy. That's good. You can't praise God too much. Thank you, Jesus. We've got so much to be thankful for. And brothers and sisters, God doesn't ask a whole lot of us. He does want us to live holy lives. Amen. Yes, he does. And he tells us in Romans chapter 12, a very beautiful verse, and how we should do that through the apostle Paul. He said, I beseech ye, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, say holy, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he tells us how to do it. He says, be not transformed by this world. Be not conformed to it. Amen. Be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I know we all want to do that. Amen. I know I do. I want to do the will of God. I want to please God. That should be our paramount desire in our lives to please the Lord. And one way we please him again is to go to him humbly in prayer. Amen. Let's do that right now, church, as a congregation. Can we bow our heads in reverence to Almighty God? Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be here today, O oh Lord. Father, you have blessed us in so many ways. You touched us with your precious finger of life today and raised us up out of our bed. Lord, we have several wheelchairs here, but I didn't see anybody have to be wheeled in. You've given us all a wonderful modicum of health. And we're thankful, dear God. We're grateful. We want to just tell you we appreciate the life and the health that we have, the prosperity in our lives, the way that we live. People in other countries would give everything to be as well off as the poorest of us. Lord, you've blessed us exceedingly and mightily. And we just want to stop like that one leper did and say, thank you, Jesus. We want to be the one in ten who says, thank you, Jesus. We appreciate you so much for all that you've done on the cross and all that you're doing right now as our advocate before our God. Father God, I ask that you bless our congregation. Help us, dear Lord, to do the things that we need to do to help other people realize this beautiful, wonderful kingdom of God that is just waiting for them the promises that you have bestowed upon them if they will just turn and hear the word of God and come unto you. Bless, dear God, all of us who have people in our family who are ill. Some of us, even though we're here today or at home watching, we're ill. We need a touch from God. Heal us, O God, for that is what you do. You are Jehovah Rophe, our God of healing. And you said you would supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory through your son, Christ Jesus. And we take you at your word, O Lord. And we say, yea and amen. And thank you for that. Dear God, forgive us of our sins, our iniquities. Let no iniquity have dominion in our lives ever again, as the psalmist said. And Lord, we just ask that you will please, dear God, bless our wonderful country, America. Bless the different places in this country where people are going through great strife. The building that fell down in Florida. The West Coast that is just burning up right now with drought and heat. Lord, they need a Savior. People need rescuing. 
Help us, oh God. We humble ourselves in our prayers today. Lord, we just want to thank you one more time. we got to thank you for being our God and for your blessings, for keeping us safe from danger, seen and unseen alike. We must say thank you. We thank you for your angels who you've given charge over us to keep us in all our ways. Lord, let there be no unemployed angels around any of us. Put them to work, dear God, and we'll be ever so thankful and so sure to give you all the honor and all the glory in the mighty, magnificent, matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen? And can we say amen? God bless you. You may sit down. Hey, CTC family. I'm Casey, and here's this week's news. With summer here, it's time to start getting excited about Vacation Bible School. This year, our theme is Mission Possible. We want to teach children that there is nothing too difficult for God. Beginning in late July, our goal is to have a program at both of our campuses, so we need your help. If you are able to help with VBS at either of our campuses, or if you would like to host a backyard small group, contact Tony Rayfield at trayfield at ctcde.church. We will have more information in the coming weeks. Studying the Word of God with others allows us to connect with each other and see the gospel in ways we may not have seen before. Our Ellesmere campus has an opportunity every Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for you to meet in a small group setting and study the Word. Joyce Mack leads the study located in the Seeker Room. In these meetings, you will have the chance to make connections as you take a deeper look into the Bible. Looking outside the walls of the church and seeing opportunities to minister to people in need is a key component in the life of our church. Our youth group is planning a trip August 1st through August 6th to West Virginia to help with Appalachian Service projects. During this trip, our students will be working on renovations on a house for a family living in poverty. If you want to learn more about this, contact Daniel Carroll at dcarroll at ctcde.church or call the church office. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bear Campus office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church. Or if you are worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. Good morning, everyone. Everyone in person and those of you online who I cannot see, but still good morning and welcome. So if you are new here and you are in the sanctuary with us, again, I'm going to extend my welcome. And before you leave, once you exit the sanctuary and go to the left, you will see the Welcome Center where you will receive a free gift and be greeted by someone from our pastoral staff. And if you are online and you are new here, you can either click the New Here tab at the top or the bubble that most likely popped up in the chat, which is probably easier, more accessible is the proper word. And before I forget, the Connect cards. If you are here in person at your table or at your seat, you will see a connect card, and we would love for you to fill it out. And Pastor Roger is showing you what it looks like. It's a small little rectangular-looking thing or paper. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm science and math teacher. Yeah. <laughs> um, so fill that out, please, if you would. And then if you do have any prayer requests, 
you can also write that down on the Connect card, too, because we're always praying for you. And, of course, for those of you online, you can connect the little, click the Connect card tab at the top or the bubble that most likely popped up in the chat. So now I'm going to pass it on to Pastor Roger. Welcome, We're glad to have you with us. Also, there's a Connect card online, too. Uh, just click that uh, button on our website and fill out the Connect card there as well as the prayer requests. As we, as we give, as we worship, we, we want to practice generosity in everything that we do. And that doesn't mean just generosity about money. That means generosity about all the gifts and the abilities that God has given to us. You are a generous congregation. And I see the ways that you help one another. And as we practice, this, practice several principles of generosity, where I think we're on number seven this week, just kind of reminding ourselves of the principles that we've got. So I invite you to read this principle with me, if you would, if you can see it. There it is. Let's read this out loud together. Principle number seven. We give with a sense of loyalty in support of fellow believers. We hold one another together as members of, of, the, of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And I see how you do that in so many ways. And there are ways that we plan to do it. And then as, as I live the week together through, between Sundays with you, I see the many, many thousands of ways that people of Christ the Cornerstone Church are helping one another, supporting each other in so many ways. And there's a scripture verse that goes along with that. So let's read this scripture verse also together. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And finally, before we begin worshiping, I just want to mention that it's so wonderful to see so many children and the families worshiping together. That's one of the reasons why I made this change of us gathering together as families, because it's important for us to worship together as families. And uh, while after we finish singing and just before the message, there's, the, there's, a, there's a short video that gives the children time uh, to go with Miss Tony and the other leaders of the children's ministry, and they'll gather in the back of the room. So when you see that little short video just before I come back to preach, that's the time for the children to gather together to go with, with Miss Tony and others. Let me invite you to stand as, we, as I offer a prayer, and then the team will continue to lead us in worship. Will you stand with me if you're able? And let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be able to gather with, together with you today. Thank you for binding us together in your love, holding us together. And we ask as we continue to sing and worship uh, to you through song that you will come and inhabit our praises. Lord, we need to know who you are and that you are with us wherever we are. So come, Holy Spirit, and fill us with your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Continue to worship the Lord. We want to teach you a brand new song today about the fact that we are never alone in any battle, in any stressful situation, at any time in our lives. Let's worship Him together. There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the water flows in When I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There was another in the fire, standing next. 
of human companionship on the road, we might be right. But there is never a day, never a time, never an hour when God is not with us. He walked in the fiery furnace with the Hebrew children. He held back the water at the Red Sea for the children of Israel as they walked across on dry ground. And if He can do that for them, He can do whatever you need today. Because he is greater. There is no one that is greater than him. So we worship him. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No one is greater than you, Lord.
there is no one else like We give honor to your name because you can do anything and everything in our lives. So Father, we want to bring praise from a heart that is filled with gratitude and lay it before your feet because you are worthy of that praise. Because as the Old Testament Ask the question, who among the gods is like you, O Lord? And the resounding answer is nobody. So, Lord, today we ask you to move in our midst. We ask you to change hearts and lives. Lord, we ask you right now as our pastor comes to bring the message today that you would wash over him with the anointing of your Holy Spirit, that as he opens your word, breaks it for us today that, Lord, we would receive it, and when we leave this place in a few minutes, we'll be changed. We ask all this in Jesus' name, and everybody sit together. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping. 
You may be seated. Good morning again, and I want to welcome uh, everybody online, and especially uh, this morning, the Ellesmere campus, uh, our campus closer into Wilmington. Glad to have all of you with us this morning. Today, we begin a new series that asks the question, what does the Bible mean when it says that God created humanity, male and female, in his image? That's a difficult question. And I know that this topic in our culture today has become quite controversial. But I believe we as the church need to talk about controversial things. Every day through social media, through radio, and through television, our eyes, our ears, and our minds are flooded with messages that relate to our human sexuality. And sexuality is a basic and an essential part of being human. That's an obvious thing. Not only for individuals, but as a culture and socially and as communities, our sexuality comes into play every day. But for some reason, perhaps it's because this is such a personal subject and private and goes to the core of our own identity. Maybe those are some reasons why pastors and churches have for a long time avoided talking about this subject in very clear terms. But I think, again, it's important for us to do so. Our sexuality is part of God's plan for our human life. And for too long, the church has avoided proclaiming good news. Instead, it proclaims mostly bad news about our sexuality. And so the church has avoided proclaiming good news about our human sexuality. And in doing so, we have allowed the evil one to set the conversation. And we can't do that any longer. We've got to announce good news about what God has put within us as beings. It is easier to announce condemnation for sinners than it is to proclaim forgiveness and to hold one another accountable. And we've got to stop condemning one another over our sexuality. In these three messages today, next week, and the following week, I intend to address human sexuality as a good and healthy part of our human identity. An identity which God created and God affirms 
And God blesses. And today's message seeks to help us understand the meaning of God creating humans, male and female, in God's image. And I know that not everyone is going to agree with my interpretation of Scripture. But I do intend to give us all something to think about so that we can all grow in our experience of God's love and His power in our lives. Our goal at Christ the Cornerstone is that all people experience the life-changing love of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this message doesn't seek to do anything but that. So let's dive in, and a good place to start always is at the beginning. So we're going to go to a scripture that I presume is very familiar to most of us. And that's the book of Genesis, the beginning, part of the creation story, Genesis chapter 1, starting with verse 26. So I invite you to follow along in the Bible that's on the chair or the table uh, beside you or on your own device, uh, your own Bible at home. Read along. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And this is what we read. God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And that's probably one of the first clues about our human sexuality that we need to pay attention to. It's about us. And who is us in this sense? Us is God. Well, now, wait a minute. The word God is singular. So why is, why is the Bible using a plural pronoun to refer to God? Well, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. And it, and it has a lot to do with why God made us male and female, why God placed within humanity our sexuality. So God says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And then God continues, they will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground, even the squirrels and the slugs, if you can imagine a slug scurrying. But I suppose if you're a slug, there are times when you're going to scurry. (laughs) Verse 27 says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, God created them. And then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. And then God said, Look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life. And that's what's happened. And then God looked over all that he had made. And he saw that it was, what does it say? Very good. Not just good. All of it, very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. Now this passage sets up for us some foundational thoughts and some questions. First is the idea that God distinguishes humanity as being created in the image of God. 
No other creature is described as being created in God's likeness. So humanity is unique in the sense that we are created in God's likeness. What does it mean that humans are created in the likeness of God? That's the first part of the question. But then there's some more information that is put into the scriptures that causes us to add something new to that question. So we so the second thing is that God gives humans sexuality. And he calls it male and female. And so we add that idea to the question that we developed earlier. What does it mean that God created us in God's image, male and female? What is it about our masculinity that is the image of God? What is it about our femininity that, is, that reveals the image of God? And what is it that together... Because you can't have the image of God alone if you're just looking at masculinity. You can't have the image of God alone if you're looking just at femininity. It is in the masculinity, it is in the femininity together that the, the, the expression and the image and the likeness of God is revealed through humanity. That's important for us as we live our lives together. But this verse fails to clearly define what exactly is the image of God in humanity. It's a little bit obscure. And over time, scholars and and preachers and people who've studied it and thought about it more than I have have come up with several suggestions about what that image means more precisely. Some people have said, well, the image of God in humanity is the fact that we have conscience. Others have said it's the soul. Others have said it's our ability to reason because God is a reasonable God, so therefore we are we can reason. And others have said it's no, it's original righteousness, it's a purity, it's a wholeness that because God is holy, God has created us also to be holy. And others have said, no, well, it's the it's the ability to commune with God. With God. It's the ability to have an intimate relationship with God and with others. I think all of these are part, are, are part true, but not each of these is the whole truth. And we need to understand that God created us in the image of God, and we need to be careful that we don't create God in the image of humanity. That's backwards. And I know that we as human beings, we are limited. You have to admit that you're limited in your abilities. You can't do everything. You can't understand everything. And if it is true, as in the song that we just sang, that God is greater than anything, we have to recognize that even our thinking is not fully capable of comprehending the fullness of God. And we need to be a little bit humble about the things that we think about and the things that we talk about and the knowledge that we have, especially when it comes to God, because God is so much greater than even us. Though God has implanted within us His image and His likeness. So I want us to think about this morning, this this capacity that we have for relationship, because 
Because for me, that is one of the most important parts of the image of God placed in us. God, who who we call, describe as three beings in one person. We're talking about the Trinity. And as God the Father relates to God the Son, who relates to God the Holy Spirit, are one, the image of God placed within us has to have some ability to be relational because God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in a relationship together even though they are one. I know the Trinity is a complicated and complex uh, concept to, to think and talk about. So here's an illustration that has been helpful to me. My name is Roger. And when I was born, I was first known as the son of Larry and Peggy. And even though my parents have passed away, I don't stop being a son. I'm still a son. And as I grew up and I met Carolyn, fell in love, and I asked her to be my wife, in that moment I became a husband. But I didn't stop being a son. So now I am a son, but I still am a husband. And I have become a husband. It's a new role. It's a new relationship. It's part of my identity. And I can't live my life without being a husband because I am a husband. And i got to figure out how do I live my life. What does it mean for me to be husband to Carolyn? And how does that affect my relationships with other people? has a great impact on my relationships with other people. Because I've committed myself to be husband to this woman. I am not going to be husband to some other people. And there are boundaries around me because of the relationship that I have. But then a, a couple of years after I became a husband, I became something else. <laughs> I became a father. And I, it, it didn't stop me being a son. We've got this image a triangle. This is called a Celtic knot. I don't know. It has a long tradition from the Celtic uh, people. And it represents the Trinity. You can see in this image there's a circle which, which implies to us the unity of this whole thing. But within that circle are these three, uh, these three other corners that refer to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And yet even though there are three persons of God, they are one. Just like Roger, son, husband, father. I'm still the same person. And I am one. And so God has placed within humanity the ability not just to be one, but to be multiple persons. Oh, that was a bad phrase to use. (laughs) And I don't think it's so difficult to understand. Marriage, husband, wife, and children reflects, again, husband, wife, children, God, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's a unity. There's a unity in our family that God has placed within us. And you can't have children without having a husband and a wife. You can't have children without having a man or a woman. And God created our sexuality to be part of this relational component And it's essential for us. So when God created humanity, God placed within us the ability and the necessity of also relating to other people. 
So being human means that we relate to others, other beings, just as God relates to us. And as God relates to God himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Brings me to answer, to one answer to my question, what does the Bible mean when it declares human humanity created in the image of God? It means that we are able to relate to other beings, other people, other parts of creation, and we are able to relate to God. Because God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one in relationship, God created us to be relational also. And to be God is to be one with the Father, one with the Spirit, and one with the Son. And to be fully human is to be one with God and one with one another. Don't we desire that as human beings? We, we sing the song, the old song, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. We desire this peace. We desire this unity with one another. And we're, we're working over and over and we fail so many times at creating this unity as human beings. If we could only just relate to one another with the love that God has for us, there would be peace on earth. We can't do that. This is all part of our sexuality. What is more, God desires. He didn't just create us and let us alone, but God desires to have a relationship with us. God wants a relationship with you. For God so loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. So God loves you, and God desires, God wants, God craves to be in relationship with you, and for you to be in relationship with God. Now, as we talk about God creating us male and female, we need to make another point clear. We need to remember always that God is spirit. God is not physical. God created a physical universe. And God interacts with that physical universe. But God remains spirit. And when we get it backwards, we get into trouble with understanding who God is. God created us to relate to one another, and our physical bodies serve as the way for building relationships with others and the world around us. Let me say that again. Our physical bodies serve as the way for building relationships with others and the world around us. Let's think about this. Physical contact with other people creates bonds. Physical contact with other people creates a bond or connections with others. And these connections bind us together physically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. And they are real bonds. And they're bonds that go on and on and on even though we may no longer be physically in relationship with other people. That's why the Bible says in the New Testament that when one, one man sleeps with another, uh, with a woman and then with another woman, they, they are all bound together. 
And you can imagine that as, as, as people bind themselves to this person and then this person in emotional relationships, it gets confusing. Because we weren't created to live like that. We were created to, to live with this person. That's God's plan for us. We're, des- we're designed from the womb to build connections with other people through physical experiences. How many mothers and fathers have spoken to an unborn child still in the mother's womb? I have. <laughs> Get down to Carolyn's stomach and, hey, let's see. I don't think, I don't remember. I'm sorry. I don't remember if we knew the sex of Ryan before he was born. But I, I, don't, think that there's, there, I don't think that there's a father who, who, is, who, who has not done that. Or a mother who, who is already touching that child in an extremely intimate way. That child is inside the mother. We men will never, ever have that experience. And so I honor... <laughs> I honor women for, for the experience that you're able to have in, in, in making that connection with your child. When a child is born, that child recognizes the voices of the people that he or she hears. And I hope so, because I remember talking to my children in, in Carolyn's womb, saying, hey, I'm here, I'm your dad, I know you hear mom's voice a lot more than you hear my voice, but when you come out when I, and I say your name or I speak to you, I want you to look at me. <laughs> Here's another example. Let's take, for example, a young man sees a young woman and thinks in his mind, listen, this is the physicality of our sexuality. He sees, physically sees a young woman. And in seeing, the physical act of seeing, he says, she's beautiful. But she doesn't even know he exists. But he already, because he sees her, he has created a bond with her in his mind. And he says, I want to know her more. I desire, just like God sees you and desires a relationship with you. The man sees the woman and desires to know her more. But she doesn't even know he exists. How does he know that? Because he says we never made eye contact. What? Another physical thing? And so he says, next time I see her in the, in the room when we, we get together in the crowd, I'm going to try to make eye contact with her so that I know. And in making even eye contact, we're creating a bond with somebody, right? Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And so... Next time he's with her, he makes a point to establish eye contact with her. And he enters the room and he walks toward her, hoping that she will notice him. And he'll glance and he intentionally wants to connect physically with her through eyes. So as he walks by, he pretends to stumble and trip over his shoelaces. This is how cool I am. This is all I could think of. <laughs> So he bends down beside her, and he says to her while he's tying his shoe, he says, I've been watching you for the last ten minutes, and I wanted to talk to you, but I just got cold feet. And here's why I got cold feet. 
because you've just knocked my socks off. <laughs> I had to come up with the corniest thing I could think of. But what has he done? He's establishing a bond with her. And what is he using to establish that bond? He's using his whole body. And he, he, because he trips and pretends to, to stumble, she notices him and he looks at her and they lock eyes. That's why we call it lock eyes. Because he's established. And then he uses his voice. And he uses her ears to increase the bond. And he says to you, you knock my socks off. And then she responds to that corny joke. She laughs. He made her laugh. Success, he says to himself. Because that's what I wanted to do. And now we've got a conversation going. And he's using his voice. And she's using her voice. And they're using their ears to physically connect with each other and establish a bond. And he asks her out for some coffee. And it goes on and on. And eventually, they hold hands. Woo! Another marker in establishing a bond. And then they hug. And then they kiss for the first time. And then you know it goes on and on. And each one of these physical acts increases the bond. Until he says, will you marry me? And she says, yes. And I know that most, most of the marriages that I've done have been of couples who have already been living together. But God is a forgiving God. And God loves us. But God wants us to be monogamous and faithful in all of our relationships, especially in marriage. And I know we've all made mistakes. And we've all done things. The world wants more, more about that next week. We're focusing on the good today, on what God wants for us. So by creating humanity, male and female, God has put into place a requirement that in order for human life to even continue, men and women must know each other intimately. And being sexually active with other people is an intimate physical experience that creates a bond that lasts forever. And God has a plan for our sexuality. A plan to bring life, a plan for pleasure, a plan for good. And in, in order to experience the goodness of God's plan for us sexually, we've got to follow God's plan. But God is gracious. God spoke all of creation into being and created the physical world. And in creating male and female in the physical world, God put in place the necessity as well as the pleasure of uniting together not only to create life, but also to fellowship intimately with one another. And our sexuality then is a great gift from God, uniquely given to us for establishing committed, intimate, loving friendship in marriage. One writer puts it beautifully, so I'll use his words to describe what God has done with our sexuality. He says, everyone wants, lo wants to love and to be loved, to create passionate, loving relationships that reach deep into the soul and totally transform the individuals involved. Hollywood makes billions on this theme, but actually God is the author of this intimate desire. 
God is love. And humans are created in His very image to love. Nowhere is this more clearly revealed than throughout God's grand metaphor for intimacy. That picture window into the very heart of the Almighty One, our sexuality. A picture window into the very identity of God and the image of God. Are you thinking about that when you're engaging in sexual experiences? Thinking about God? Because that's why He gave it to us. God created sexuality to reveal Himself, how He operates, and the values He places on intimate relating. A wonderful picture into God who desires His human creation to understand what love is all about. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male and female. He created him, we read in the book of Genesis. With sexuality, God made two different types of relationships. The family relationship and the gender with brothers and sisters, fathers, mothers and children, and romantic marriage with erotic enjoyment and becoming one flesh. In both the gender and romantic modes, sexuality unveils God's excitement over committed relationships and loving connections. God has a fantastic formula for your sex life. An intimate marriage plus mature lovers is, equals a fulfilling sex life. It's from Douglas Rosano. Used according to God's guideline and plan, human sexuality brings intimacy, pleasure, and it creates new life. Used outside of God's purposes, human sexuality can bring harm, even death. And the consequences of misusing God's gift of sexuality bring pain to every aspect of life. I would dare say that every adult person has experienced to some degree some kind of harm or painful experience that is of a sexual nature. Every one of us. And we know that many children have been harmed by others crossing sexual boundaries. And our sexuality is like a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways, good or bad. Another metaphor is our sexuality is like a fire. When used under the control of godly love, it brings life. But used under the control of selfishness, it benefits only one person. And that benefit is very short-lived and often results in guilt and remorse. Even if that guilt and remorse is kept hidden deeply inside the person for years and years until it is forgiven by Jesus. Our sexuality can also, to use another metaphor, can be compared to water that is essential for life. But when that water is used wrongly or when someone is plunged into it without knowing how to deal with the water, it becomes a great enemy to life. And my point today simply is this. God has a plan for our sexuality. It is a plan to bring life and pleasure and intimacy to committed relationships that nurture children to experience full humanity in loving relationship with God and with others. In this message, I especially want those of us who seek to follow the ways of Jesus Christ to be able to have meaningful conversations with one another about the fullness of God in us. 
This is God in us. And we need to be able to talk about it. I know it's an extremely private and personal thing. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to be willing to talk about it. And in the, in the coming months and, and years as a congregation, we're going to have to be having some of these conversations about our sexuality. Because the world is demanding that we have these conversations. We need not be afraid or ashamed to address these topics within the body of Christ. We help one another follow God's ways. So first I wanted to establish a basis for our conversations. And that basis is this, that God has given us our sexuality in order that we can experience the love of God deeply, personally, and intimately in this world. Dr. Rosano says it like this. He says, making love in a special and meaningful way is modeled after Christ's relationship to the church. And we need to understand Christ's deep commitment with us, his gentleness, his humility, and his ability to lead and serve and to speak the truth in love. He demonstrated that basis for true spiritual and emotional union. I want to quote from Proverbs chapter 5, verses 15 through 19. This is one of the most powerful, and, 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 and I'm, I'm quoting Scripture. I'm not adding. <laughs> and this is an extremely personal and descriptive, beautiful blessing of the sexuality that God has placed within us. In Proverbs 5, <laughs> It is, it is the wisdom of Solomon being spoken to his son. But it comes from God. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should, you should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your life be a fountain of blessing to you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. So let her breasts satisfy you always. And may you always be captivated by her love. And we can paraphrase that speaking to women. Rejoice in the husband of your youth. A gentle stag, a strong deer, and may his hands and his mouth satisfy you always. And may you ever be captivated by his love for you. What a beautiful picture of the plan that God has for the use of our sexuality. It's God's design. And it's good. And God said it's not just good. He said it's very good. So let's use it in very good ways. Not just for our own blessing or for our own satisfaction. That's an abuse of it. Because it was intended for us to create meaningful bonds with others. So be extremely careful with who you use your sexuality, with whom you use your sexuality. God has given us a great gift to use according to his instruction. Every sermon I preach, I have an invitation. I seek to ask us to do something. What am I asking us to do today? It's a little bit diff difficult to figure that out. 
guess I'm asking you to do some reflection this morning. If you, if you thought that God has no concerns about how you live your sex life, I ask you to ask God to have you have another thought. If you've never thought about following God's ways or learning of God's ways, or maybe, maybe you've listened only to the prohibitions that are in the Scripture about using our sexuality, and you've really ignored all the positive things, the, the holy things that God tells us how to use our sexuality. You know, the church has often given conflicting messages about sexuality to our young people. We say to our young people, sex is good, (laughs) but don't do it because sex is dirty. So save it for the one you love. What? How confusing is that? Let's speak the truth. Let's lift up the gifts that God has given to us. And let's encourage one another to live according to the instruction that God gives us to us. Jesus is the strong lover of all people. And the love of Jesus, him hanging on the cross, forgives us of all, all of us, of all of our sin. And we need to stop, as I said earlier, condemning other people for what we perceive to be their sexual sins. And we need to turn the table around and ask ourselves, but God, am I following your laws? Have I never looked at pornography? Have I never had an adulterous thought? The answer is yes, if you're being honest. So let's stop condemning others. And let's turn to the ways of God and let God do the convicting and the convincing in one another's lives. And let's pray for one another and let's encourage one another and let's love one another with the love of Christ. Jesus came to save the world. He came not to condemn the world, but to save it through him. So let's take some moment and pray, perhaps for ourselves, and say, God, I know that I have misused your sexuality that you gave me as a gift. And I have inflicted pain on others because I have misused my sexuality. And I have experienced deep pain myself because I have misused my sexuality. Lord, forgive me for that. And teach me. And then give me the strength and the power of your holy love, your good, good. The word holy simply means good, simply means set apart, simply means made righteous. So God, give me your righteous, give me your good love so that I can live the way you want me to live. Discover something new about my sexuality that I never knew. I tried to avoid it because I didn't know how to use it. So teach me again, God. Maybe that's the prayer that we need to be offering today. If you desire to, to pray with others this morning, or I know that this is an intimate thing, you may not want to tell anybody what your prayer is, but maybe you just want to come here as, an, as a physical act of worshiping God. You know that there's a reason that our sexuality and our spirituality and every religion are very closely connected because our sexuality is such a personal part and very connected to our spirituality. But we're not doing sexual acts as we as humans know them when we're praying together this morning, but we are creating intimate bonds with one another as we pray. So I invite you to prayer this morning. There will be people at the prayer station uh, to pray with you. And if you want to come here or 
Obviously, you know that you can pray right where you are. But I encourage you to let Jesus come into you, to invite him, to teach you, to forgive you, to overwhelm you with his love in a new way, in a fresh way today. I invite you to stand with me as the team comes and leads us in singing. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, you love us. You do not condemn us. And I thank you for your message of peace, love, truth. Thank you for creating us as physical beings. To be honest, it feels good. But help us use our physical bodies in good and holy ways that bring pleasure, that bring enjoyment, that bring life, that bring laughter, that bring fun, that bring joy to us. So that we can know who you are and we can be a testimony to your love and your goodness around the world. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to pray and sing together. The best way for us to respond to that challenge that Pastor has just issued to us is to allow the Holy Spirit to come and to be in control. Amen. So as we continue to worship, the front is open, prayer stations are open. Someone will be available to pray with you, to pray for you. If you need to know Jesus before you leave this place today, you can make that right.
footsteps in this life so that we can live as people who are created in your image. But Lord, as Pastor said a few minutes ago, not to live that way judgmentally, but to love people in spite of who they are, because you loved us in spite of who we were and in spite of who we still are many days. And so, Lord, today we ask you by the power of the Holy Spirit that we have just been singing about that you would enable us to live in that way. Go with us from this place, Lord. Send us with your spirit. Encourage us, we ask you. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said together, amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. If you're worshiping online with us, our host will be around for another 15 or 20 minutes. If you need someone to pray with, if you need someone to talk with, they'll be there for you front and the area here is still open for prayer if you'd like to come and pray or have someone pray with you. God bless you. Have a great week.